folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch the baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here and Jeremiah Searles already whacking the mic with his head because he's so excited to talk about the future of the Vikings offensive line and love to see it, hate to see it in the NFL playoffs. And I also need some opinions on these offenses that are in championship weekend. What is up, Jeremiah? Oh, you know, just another glorious weekend of solid football to watch. I'm sad there's no more college football that is very upsetting but it it was good I'm excited and then I also have this deep sincere sadness like we talked about last week like we're one step closer to the end I know we only have two weekends left of football and I feel I, I always want to during the championship weekend just hit pause on all of it and then bask in it. Like watch every quarterback a couple of times you know because usually championship weekend is the best weekend the best weekend 100% hands down I mean, just uh, one day of everything on the line. It's the best teams. I mean, it's usually incredible. Um, 2018 was uh, that was the one with New Orleans and the Rams with that you know insane non-pass interference call, and then it was Brady and it was Mahomes going at it uh, in the later game. I mean, you know, thinking of days like that is is about peak football. So unfortunately, yes, we are marching toward the end. Um, but I, I want to talk first before we get into all that about the Vikings offensive line, because well, for one, people um, have not become less obsessed with the Vikings offensive mm-hmm. line just because the season is over. But there was also a report today that the salary cap is still going to go down like they thought to about $180 million. And this makes things very tricky for the Minnesota Vikings with Riley Reef, who, by the way, allowed all of one sack this year, a great season for Riley Reef at left tackle. But Jeremiah, this makes it harder. If the salary cap goes down that much to 180 million, that puts the Vikings about five or 6 million over the cap to start the offseason, they've got to make space somewhere. So how would you deal with the left tackle position? It's hard, man. First of all, you got to gauge if you're, I mean, George Payton now gone, move on to the Broncos. That's going to be another hard one because he was kind of the wizard behind the curtain, right? He was he was the Oz. He was really good with everything as far as the, the moving around numbers, finding ways to make everything match. And now you have a couple different guys that are going to have to do that. Spielman's going to have to take a bigger role in all of that. And it's just going to be very intriguing to see if Riley, I haven't talked to him, but to see is like, is he willing to stay on a familiar team as he gets in the back half of his career 
and take less money knowing the familiarity, not having to start over, Midwest type of guy. I mean, he lives in South Dakota in a double wide down by the river. I mean, <laughs> is that something where he's going to want to take a chance and maybe go to a L.A. or a New York or somewhere that's going to be like a bigger market that's maybe not him? So maybe, first of all, you ask him, like, are you willing to take this pay cut and stay mm-hmm. here? like Anthony Barr in a sort, right? Like there is something special about that. But at the same time, he could be the other way where he's like, F you pay me, right? Like there's there's plenty of ways. I don't know where he's out there, but you got to gauge him because if you can get him back for next year at a number that's reasonable where it's respectful to him but doesn't break the bank for the team, I think you've got to try and find a way to bring him back. If not, you got to draft one. Yeah, no, and and bringing him back makes a lot of sense to me in a contract extension way. So you can lower his cap hit and you keep him. The only concern about that, of course, is kicking the can down the road, which the Vikings sure love to do. Love to do, to do. Love to do it. it. And eventually you do have to pay that bill. But the thing that I think a lot of teams are going to rest on this year when they set up their contracts is 17 games and vaccinations that <laughs> – Fans will be coming back. And by the way, I also think, and I am not an epidemiologist or whatever, uh, uh, any type of scientist, but it seems to me that putting fans in the stands was not a dangerous thing concerning COVID. I mean, I'm sure there's a threshold for that, but the way that the NFL did it. So maybe now they have a model. I think there were, of course, less information and teams that just said, hey, let's play it completely safe. And governments that said, let's play it completely safe. I get that. But now we have information on this. So even if we're dealing with this to a lesser extent next year, they're going to get their money back is my point. And so I think teams will say, let's set up these free agent contracts to have low cap hits now. And then when the cap goes up because of 17 games, up because we get our fans back, then we'll be able to do these things. And I could see the Vikings looking at the Riley Reef situation that way, because even if you draft one, if they're planning to win in 2021, I mean, look at Andrew Thomas this year. I mean, at the beginning of the season, that dude got destroyed. Mm-hmm. And, and it looked to me in a couple of games I saw toward the end of the year, like he had come around and he had started to learn and started to make progress. But if you're asking someone to step in day one at left tackle, even if they're very good, that could still be really difficult for them. Yeah, I mean, you are 100% playing Russian roulette with a, a starting rookie left tackle, even if he is a first-round pick. I mean, you see it all the time. You can luck out like Willis in Cleveland, right? Dude went out there and absolutely balled. Like, he had his issues, but he played really, really well. Or you see a guy like Thomas that just isn't quite ready to be the guy at the beginning of the year. But another thing I think that the teams will bank on is getting OTAs back, getting some Mm -hmm. type of preseason back so that there is that more of a ramp-up period versus just like, hey, baptism by fire, ready, go. And I think that that's going to be really helpful too because you saw the emergence of rookies more and more come on towards the end of the year really across the entire NFL. Um, There really wasn't guys, I mean, Jefferson included, at the first two, three weeks of the season that were just making these splash big plays, right? Which you see more and more now because it does take more to get ramped up, but this year especially. So you draft a left tackle first, second round. You're going to be expecting him to play a lot, but I think that you'll get a better gauge of is he ready to play Mm -hmm. with all the ramp up and leading up to it. Now, the other option, of course, is to move Ezra Cleveland to left tackle. Stop it. I have, well... Stop I just have – I have no idea how to tell whether someone can play left tackle after they played right guard. Is there <laughs> a way to do that? Like, no. You tell me. really not. No. 
usually you just move in. That's what I always tell people. You go, tackles can play guards, guards can play centers, and then once you hit that center position, it's like, mm, then you're sitting at home on your couch. Like, it's <laughs> right. like you don't usually see guys that move out from the line. Everyone just kind of slowly moves in. So, I mean, when you say, oh, this guy started right guard for us, I mean, he could go play left tackle. It's like, what, 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 in the, what makes you say that? Like, what is the thing that you are seeing on practice field or behind the curtain that you're just like, yeah, he could make the move and, and be ready to go? Someone was joking. I can't remember who it was. Someone texted me. They're like, here's what the Vikings are going to do. You ready? They're going to draft a left tackle in the first round. They're going to move Ezra Cleveland to left tackle and plug the left tackle into right guard. It's going to fix all our problems. I was like, you guys are nuts. Uh, well, I mean, that's but, the, that was the – that was who did that? Zach Martin for Notre Dame? Yeah, well, Zach yeah, they, Martin, they yeah, he was – played a, left tackle in Notre Dame, and then they right. plug him at right guard, and he was an all-world guy, right? But it's right. just – that doesn't come around that often. And then when they needed him to play right, right tackle, tackle, he, he was, was an all-pro right tackle. Yeah, he's still <laughs> yeah. a beast. I mean, he's, he's an absolute incredible human. Yeah, he might be slightly different than Ezra Cleveland, I think. I think we're talking all-pro versus let's see if this guy can play in the league. And there were some things that I liked from Ezra Cleveland. I mean, getting to the second level, the dude is fast. Yeah, and there athletic. were. Yeah, there were some breakout runs that they had where you went, wow, he got out to the linebacker really quick. But there were also times where teams said, hmm, let's see, rookie right guard playing out of position. Cam Jordan, why don't you just rush inside and slam into his face? Or um, Jason Pierre-Paul did the old Reggie White like club move or the, the hump move on him and just threw him to the side. And And those are the things that you worry about for him moving to left tackle because the small sample against elite rushers that he had on the inside, Grady Jarrett too, it wasn't great. I mean, it, it didn't say to me, wow, this guy can shut down right defensive ends that are the absolute best in the league. So I think you still need to be thinking about someone else for tackle and maybe moving him to left guard. So he's playing on the left side where he was comfortable, but I don't know because Brian O'Neill was a left tackle in college moved to right tackle year two. He became really comfortable with it. I don't mind though, having those two guys on the right side being extremely and ridiculously athletic. I agree. I think that if you leave him there and allow him to develop there, that's a good thing, right? That's a good thing. Anyone that can, going to make it in this league whether you're a first-round pick or a PFA, you have to be able to develop. And the only way you develop is by staying in one spot. Unless you're a backup, if you're going to be a true starter, stay in one spot, take this offseason, get get your footwork right, get your hand placement right, get the timing right, and then show up to OTAs ready to go and continue to develop. And you see a lot of guys take big jumps in year two, or you see a lot of guys not take big jumps in year two because they didn't do the right things in the offseason. But another thing is you've got to, as coaches, you got to help your guys develop. Like, that's your job, right? Your job is to develop young players and then keep veteran players happy. I mean, end of the day, that's kind of your job. So if you're going to look at it and be like, okay, how do I help Ezra Cleveland develop? Well, first of all, I stop moving him around. I stop making him think. I allow him to physically develop in one spot, one thing, and just continue to do that. And it's not bad to have two young guys right next to each other again. You got two guys that are high-round picks going in to be one of the best right tackles in the league in O'Neal. Who knows what he could be? Again, you see guys take jumps. I just would hate to see him have to be moved around again and try and start all over again because they tried that with Pet F-Line, and it did not work. Yeah, and I think that just in general, whether it's offensive or defensive line, this idea of we'll draft them and move them to blank, like stop doing that. I mean, that that is just not a great model. I mean, the Jalen Holmes thing, I, I don't think that Jalen Holmes was ever going to become the next Vaughn Miller or anything, but they bring him in and immediately move him to three technique. And then after two years, they go, mm, 
and decide to move him back out. Like, well, look, draft guys at the position they play. Uh, so anyway, now at the left guard position, that clearly needs to be replaced. And I, I think the big debate would be, is it a draft pick? Is it a decent free agent? Is it someone who's very expensive, which there are a couple guys um, who are the, on the really expensive way but the problem with that is cap space so if you're going to keep riley reef even if you extend him it's very hard to then pour a ton of money into the left guard position i think the best model for this is try to go kind of like the josh klein route like somebody who's proven to be decent that is all you need proven to be decent and that would be a big improvement over what you had last year here's a name i'm going to throw out there Ike Bucker, starting at left guard for the Buffalo Bills right now. He's on his rookie deal, undrafted guy. This is the end of his third year. If the Bills decide to put an original round tender on him because he is a restricted free agent, teams can go and make him offers. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy that has come on late. He's started. He's played really well. He's a guy that I, that's exactly like you said, right? He's young. He's cheap. He's got experience. And go make him an offer, and then the Bills can match it and keep him. Or you can get a guy that's fairly cheap, right? And those are the kind of guys that you look around the league and you, you have to take a peek at and look. Because you can get a guy like that for two years for $3.5 million, right? Two years for $4 million, whatever it might be. And that's not a bad gig to have young guys again. I think that the, uh, the idea also needs to be able to go young. I don't know if, if you want to go too old here because if you go an older veteran, they're going to be more expensive, especially with the, the veteran minimums going up. Yeah. So definitely. if you're going to go, I think you need to look at not just a veteran minimum plug and play, but a young guy that you can get in on a decent salary. I mean, you're not going to be paying pennies. You're going to have to be paying a decent amount to him. But a guy that you think can be a mainstay there for not just a two-year extension, but a four-year, five-year guy and start building some continuity along this thing instead of these one- or two-year plug-and-play guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's that option, and there's also the option of how about four people who signed cheap deals and uh, cage match in OTA's training camp, mini camp, Buffalo. and whoever whoever wins, wins, which is what Buffalo did. Uh, it didn't so much work for the Jets, but they also mm-hmm. had a bad coach. Uh, so, um, but the, I, I like that route too. I mean, if you, let's say you have five or $6 million to spend. And so three guys that you, that you sign and bring in and say, Hey, you've all got a chance. There's a, some experienced guys who are on the free agent market. It is not a great free agent market, no. by the way though, for um, offensive linemen. So you do have to kind of take your shots there. And then one of the things that I would suggest, because with the offensive line, you just kind of never know, is once you get past the fifth round, how about like four? How about just like (laughs) four to take the long snapper pick, throw that out. Take the punt returner pick, throw that out. Take the kicker pick, throw that out. The punter pick. Get rid of your special teams draft picks. You can find those guys undrafted. And, and take offensive linemen because the guy from New England who was like a sixth-round pick was the highest-graded offensive lineman of anybody uh, that was a rookie in the NFL this year. So I, I think that it's so hard to tell the difference between college and the NFL with offensive linemen. Just take take your swings at it instead of, hey, let's draft one guy in the fourth, and if he doesn't work out, then shrugs. No, I completely agree. I think there's nothing wrong with the competition piece. There was a great model in Buffalo. It worked out really well for them because not only did they get really quality starters, they had really quality backups. Because when you bring in three or four guys that possibly can start, you're not worried as much about the development on the bench, right? Yeah, it's like, okay, this guy's still developing, but he could play if we need him to. Mm-hmm. Versus you look at like Drew Samia <clears throat> and you're like, well, he's still developing, but my gosh, can we keep him off the field, right? Like you don't want guys on the bench that you're worried about having to go on the field and competing. 
Um, so let's talk about the center position for a second because left guard, um, the solutions just are not obvious. I think no, it's like it, you're still in the same position. I, I think that in the year 2030, I'll be talking about the left guard. It's just like, (laughs) unless they um, do draft, let's say they keep reef and draft one and then, you know, whatever. uh, And the guy turns out, you know, I don't know. It just feels like this never ending merry-go-round that we can't get off. Um, But (laughs) uh, with uh, Garrett Bradbury though, um, you are into arguing online about Garrett Bradbury these days. But so my, my thing is this, that I think Garrett Bradbury is what they thought he would be. And fundamentally, they made a mistake for what they were doing for value for a first-round pick. But I think he is terrific with his reach blocks. He is really solid on on screens, really good on screens, in fact. And will just never be able to handle nose tackles and twists and stunts and stuff that send people right at him. It's I think it's always going to be a problem, and you have to figure out a way to kind of work around it. Yeah, I mean, and you and I both know he's not going anywhere. You're not right. going to bench your first round pick. You're not going to. I mean, if anything, yeah. <laughs> typical Vikings fashion, maybe he can play left, <laughs> right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can see something. Everyone like that. gets there eventually. Everyone gets like, there eventually, but it's like for him, his biggest issue is the is the length. I mean, guys that are coming right at you on loops and stunts from the defensive end position or even the D tackle position are usually at full speed coming around, and they got longer arms than you, so they can make contact before you and when you got someone that can make contact on you before you can mm-hmm. you're automatically put in a bad spot for when the power comes and that's his biggest issue is he has a str- really hard time sitting down on the bull rush getting pressure pushed right up the pocket and you nail it his run game this year was fantastic it was phenomenal he did a really nice job of getting guys running getting guys reached and getting in space getting up on the second level but when you're when you've got a quarterback whose number one issue is in his face pressure it puts you in a little bit of a bind and so I don't know if you can fix that I don't know if you can be like, hey, grow four inches. Like, that's not how it works. And and for him, he's a strong kid. That's not the problem. It's not his strength. It's just a, I think it's a size factor. And that's why you're seeing more and more teams want a six foot four, six foot five, 300, 305 center. Because this is what teams are doing now is they're getting defensive ends like DeForest Buckner and they're getting defensive ends that are six six and moving them inside yeah. and saying, yeah. rush the passer. And it really does create mismatch for some of these shorter guys. I want to remind you about our friends at Soda Stick. If you use the promo code Purple Insider, you can get free shipping at SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports inspired goods. There's so many great designs, including Chuck Foreman's Spin Doctor shirts, Skull Hats, Straight Cash Homie shirts, and much, much more. And if you are a hockey fan with that getting going soon or a basketball fan, make sure you check out all sorts of great designs. Their apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on Super Soft super comfy shirts and hoodies you will love it that's sodastick.com s-o-t-a-s-t-i-c-k.com original minnesota sports inspired goods code purple insider for free shipping yeah and what zimmer uh had been doing with like b-rob and and, um, some other guys rushing over the guard and, and over the center in big pass rush situations like hey everybody else noticed that too that yep. that that works on third and eight or something when there's almost no chance they're going to run the ball is to put in four pass rushers um, or just even on I mean the, but this is the thing with uh, Bradbury is even on a first down and ten even you run a play action a straight play action or something if it's the nose guard right over him you're gonna have 
him back in your face if you're Kirk Cousins. And if this is somebody who's really mobile and really shifty in the pocket as a quarterback, then, okay, well, they'll move to the left or to the right. But in this case, like that's just not who Kirk Cousins is. And uh, I mentioned on a previous podcast, like Drew Bledsoe, and I like Kirk is a lot like Drew Bledsoe. He gets to one spot and he's staying there. He ain't going anywhere. Um, and I think that th- this problem is not really solvable, but I do think a better guard situation would help. I agree. I think you, you surround him with some better guys, some better helps where he's not having to carry the load. I mean, that's going to really help. But another thing, too, is a lot of people think like, well, why why is it that sometimes these nose guards are just bull rushing him? And when we swatch other teams, they're not. If you have a mobile quarterback, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, I mean, you can't just vacate the center of the pocket. You can't just have your nose guard put his ears back and just say, bull rush this guy. Mm -hmm. Because if all of a sudden he picks a side at the end and the quarterback just takes off for 15, that's a problem. So you used to, like Linville used to do this all the time. If there was a super mobile quarterback, Linville would push for three yards and stop because Hmm. he knew he couldn't keep going because he had to close the middle of the pocket so that if he tried to escape, it was out the sides, right? You're not worried about Kirk Cousins taking off for 15 through the A-gap. On, on a pass play. And so Bradbury gets put in a hard spot at times of that too because teams know that he's not super mobile so they can say, hey, keep pushing, right? Don't get to three yards and stop. Push to six, push to seven, get to him. And if mm-hmm. he takes off, linebackers can close in on him enough. So it definitely is a scheme thing too. Guys see quarterbacks that can't move vertically in the pocket that well and they have to let the nose guard get after it versus teams that can. Nose guards spy a lot more than you think. Low-key, really good at pass rushing in his peak, Linval Joseph. I mean, yes. I... No one can stop him. If he decides to put his foot in the ground and push vertically, I've yet to meet a center that can just sit on him and fully stop him. And when he was healthy in 2017, dude was fast. I mean, he was yes. he was quick. When it was like straight drop back situations, he could he could get around people. Dude, I remember back to the, I think it was 2015. We were playing what was the the St. Louis Rams at the time. I still believe he had like 14 tackles. Like, he had, like, linebacker number tackles, and that was when I think Sullivan was the, the center for them, and he just wanted to eat Sullivan's lunch. He, is, he, he All week, he was like, I'm just going to kill Sully. I'm just going to kill him. And we're like, easy, big guy. Oh, man, that's great. Yeah, uh, I mean, all-time favorite moment for Linball. Obviously, him returning oh, yeah. a touchdown in 2018, and it shows you how athletic the dude really was. One of my favorites is when a team would throw a screen pass, and you'd be, like, looking at the linebackers, like, okay, they're tracking this. Who's going to block them? And Linval comes out of nowhere like Jaws and just, like, gobbles up the running back from behind. Like, what? That dude is, like, 330. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Anyway, there was a slight difference in um, interior defensive line play this year that uh, Linval wasn't there. So, okay. So, okay, the offensive line in general, it, 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 far away from being average to good or not that far away? Just like not, broad statements. Not far away. I think we're two guys away from me and not far away. We're, we are a, if Riley stays, that counts as one, and we're a left guard. Um, I think you get a solid left guard and you solidify that left guard. You allow Ezra Cleveland, and I'm going to bank on the fact that he develops. I'm going to bank on the fact that he takes a big step in year two. And you surround Garrett Bradbury with a good, not a great, a good, average, solid middle-of-the-road left guard, and you get a developing young guy on the right side. We are back to where we need to be 2017-ish, right? Mm -hmm. Joe Berger, not amazing, good, average. Nick Easton, average to good. And you got Garrett Bradbury in the middle. I think you get that, those, you solidify the middle three. 
and I think your tackles will be fine. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just getting someone in there that can just hold it down and not have to be a glaring issue. Tell to me the difference is tell me whether Riley Reef is staying or not because yes, if, if that's he's the not, number one problem. Yeah, if he's not, you still feel far away. If he yes. is, then you feel pretty close. Uh, let's talk about Championship Weekend here. Mm. I, 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 I want your opinion on the differences with these offenses because it's really interesting to me that in Green Bay you have a Shanahan style offense where imagine if you put a quarterback friendly offense with the greatest quarterback. <laughs> Uh, and in Tampa Bay, you have this downfield passing offense, the Arians, no risk it, no biscuit. And then in the AFC, you've got two teams that are like, Hey, quarterback, let's spread this thing out. Let's throw it all over the place. Let's get it in playmakers hands. I'm interested in uh, your opinion on just what makes these offenses uh, so unique and effective aside from great quarterback play. Yeah. I mean, I think the number one thing in green Bay is, is the X factor is Devonte Adams. I mean, you look at a guy, and if you look at a lot of these, I mean, really all four of these teams, they have the X factor at wide receiver. They have the bailout quarterback friendly, oh gosh, where am I throwing the football? Where is 14? Where is 17? Where is Gronkowski? Where is Tyreek Hill, right? You just, they all have them. And so I think honestly, I think you could honestly throw the ball to Devontae Adams almost every pass play and still be successful. And still yeah. win most games. So I think that knowing to scheme around your players and knowing how to scheme your players open is something all these these offensive coordinators have done a phenomenal job at, which is why a lot of these offensive coordinators for all these teams will be head coaches eventually here in the next three to five years. So the number one thing for the offense is just knowing your players. I mean, you look at Baltimore, right? Lamar Jackson, he is what he is. So they're going to run the football mm-hmm. as much as possible. Buffalo Bills, complete opposite. They lost Zach Moss. They don't trust Devin Singletary. So mm-hmm. they're going to be like, all right, Josh, we're going to throw the football 30 times out of our first 35 plays, <laughs> right. right? And so I think that's the great piece about all these coordinators is they're just playing to their strengths. And when you get this deep into the playoffs, you have to be able to play to your strengths because a lot of people think you get to the playoffs is like running the football is what wins you games. No, what doing what you do great is what wins you games. And you're seeing guys just lay it out there on the line. I mean, Andy Reid's like, hey, we're really good at throwing the football. So fourth and one, game on the line, we're going to throw the football. And, and it just goes along the lines with that of coaches knowing and trusting their players and trust, and players trusting their coaches. I think you see a great relationship between player coach and coach player on all four of these teams. You can testify, by the way, to the value of having a proven backup quarterback mm. who uh, can step in and take over and make a play, even though first and 25 bomb. I don't know about that from Chad Henney, but he's playing 500 with his kids is what it looked like. Like 500 <laughs> surprise package. Bull. That was great. Just like throw it up there. But the uh, the fourth down, I mean, Andy Reid set him on the table, my friend. That was incredible. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Like that, that would be, hey, why would we not run our offense with someone else who's been the backup quarterback for a long time? So the guy knows what he's doing. He just played in week 17. Have him go make a play. It's just... I don't think that was the play anybody expected to come. But I, if Mahomes is playing, which I'm kind of going to just go on the assumption that he is, uh, I mean, I have no idea, and they're not going to give a ton of medical information, I'm sure, to the Buffalo Bills. They're going to probably wait until the very last second and be like, oh, surprise, he's playing. Um, the the old Sean Hill, Sam Bradford, like, I don't know, maybe Sean Hill will start against <laughs> the Packers. Like, I don't know, yeah, I guess. Um, so anyway, but um, Mahomes versus Allen to me is just like 
it's 2021 football. It's like the, they used to, uh, in Nintendo games way back in the day, they'd have something would be like future ball or something, you know, and they would have these crazy rules and the guys would be wearing like metal plates and have, I don't know, fired that they shot at the other team. And um, anyone who's an old gamer knows exactly what I'm talking about. Like Bill, Bill Lambeer's yes. future basketball or yes. something. Um, but this, th- that's what this is. And that's why I love this because it's just like this, everyone, this is 2021 football. Yeah, I mean, you look at it and, I mean, you look at this game and we go, this could be a 45 to 40 type game because I think the big thing is both these offensive offensives have struggled but also found ways to score. Yeah. And, and that's what makes teams great is when they're struggling, they can still find ways to score. And I think the main story is going to be with both of these teams is defense, right? It's going to be who can stop the other one or who can create. I mean, Buffalo's 101-yard touchdown return for uh, interception for a touchdown was the thing that broke that game open, yeah. right? And that's the then I think that's really as much as we love offenses, it's really the age-old version of defense wins championships. And I really think it's going to come down to, especially in the AFC, of which defense can get a stop or a turnover at the crucial time. And that's the thing that, if you're a Buffalo fan, really concerns you. Because Mm -hmm. if you look at the two quarterbacks, the big difference, they both have freak arms, they're both hard to sack, they both run around and and make great plays. One of them throws bad interceptions and bumbles, the other one doesn't. And that would be your big concern, especially at being at Arrowhead. In the other game... Uh, the Packers are running the similar offense to the Vikings, but it's souped up and it's souped up because of Aaron Rodgers and they throw it to their best player all the time. It really is something that the Vikings should look at and say, you can be a pass first Shanahan style offense. Like Zimmer can have his way, which I actually agree with that uh, this is the right offense for Kirk Cousins, but just throw it more. I think that's what you're looking at with Green Bay. Yeah, I mean, you look at Green Bay, like they want to run the football and they are running the football, Mm -hmm. but there's definitely a way to say we got to pass the football to run it. I mean, if you know a team like you're going in as a defensive coordinator to a Shanahan style offense, like, okay, they're going to run zone zone reads, right? They're not zone reads, just zone, right? They're just going to run it. But so you can get safety sucked up. And if you're like, okay, they're going to stop the run. Well, let's throw them, spread them out, and then get back to the run. Versus so many times people flip it, including myself as an offensive player. It's like, well, let's run the football to pass, right? Run, 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 throw it over their heads, which is cool. But if you can get the pass game rolling, it really opens up that run game. And it really wears guys out, especially in the fourth quarter when Mm -hmm. they don't know what's coming, right? You've established the run. You've established the pass. And – when you have a quarterback that can literally put it anywhere on the football field in Aaron Rodgers, and especially at the age that he's doing it at, I don't. I think that the Green Bay Packers can win by double digits on this game. I mean, just with how well that they've been playing and the weapons that they have, because one great thing about Devontae Adams is he is a superstar, but he's got a great supporting cast. I mean, as much as Valdez Scanty and Lazard are not household names, they get open because people have so much superstardom with Devontae Adams, mm-hmm. which you can yeah. pivot that back to the Vikings and be like, okay, Adam Thielen, are you okay with stepping into a Lazard? Are you okay with stepping into a Scanty's role where you're going to score touchdowns, you're going to be, you're not the featured guy? And Jefferson has emerged as a superstar. And I think Adam's a good enough teammate that he just wants to win. But I think that the Vikings are kind of one weapon away from being that three-headed monster that Green Bay has. All right, everybody, the Super Bowl is coming up, and sure, we'll all be watching the game, but the best way to celebrate the biggest day in football is to bet on the game. And we want to let you know about a great resource for sports bettors, the Action Network. The Action Network is where fans go... 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, their Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. And with an Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. When you sign up for the Action Network Pro subscription, you can access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game across professional leagues. You can see money and bet percentages on every game so you know which team the professional gamblers are betting on. You can take advantage of Pro Systems, which match winning historical betting trends with the latest games and lines and you can track every bet to make sure that you get alerts in real time so when you're looking to bet smarter an action network pro subscription is the best way to get started and for a limited time our listeners can receive 50 percent off an annual pro subscription just go to actionnetwork.com now receive 50 percent off an annual subscription when you use the code insider This offer won't last, so go to actionnetwork.com, sign up for a pro subscription, and use the promo code INSIDER to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today. You know, I think so, too, and and that's something I wrote about at the the website today was just about, like, there's lots of options for wide receiver three. You can have another guy that's not going to get you 200 yards over a season. Um, You need more than that from wide receiver three, I think. Um, So... Let me just ask you about Tom Brady specifically. I mean, this we were disappointed with Brady versus Breeze. It was not a display of great quarterbacking that we wanted to see. Uh, But, I mean, do you have any, I don't know, experience? Like, you've played Brady, right, um, Mm -hmm. in games. Mm -hmm. But obviously you don't, like, play defense against Tom Brady. But just, like, being on the same field as him, watching him up close, uh, what can you say about him? He he just has like a presence about him. I mean, you're just literally you're like this is the greatest player of my generation, especially a guy like me who grew up watching Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, I wasn't just play against him. Like I sat on my couch, like man, this dude is freaking incredible. And then you're on the same field as him, and you're like he's really incredible. But I think <laughs> one thing people really he's big. I think yeah. people like yeah. don't realize like Tom Brady is he's kind of gangly. But he's tall and he's big and he just has this commanding presence. And you even see, I mean, he gets fired up. I mean, he gets fired up out there. He's yelling at everyone. He's getting after there. And I think he's just the ultimate field general. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I've heard that from guys that played with him. I've seen it firsthand. Like, the way that he can command all 11 guys on the field is pretty special. I mean, usually you see quarterbacks that kind of have, like, the general run. But, like, you can really tell he has control over everyone. But everyone mm-hmm. also respects his opinion. And even if they're thinking, oh, I'm doing it right, but Tom says I'm doing it wrong, like, I'm probably doing it wrong. <laughs> and, and that's right. because Tom's earned that respect. And not yeah. many guys have earned it like he has with the proof in the pudding, right? I mean, the dude puts on his – his six rings and says, listen, oh, okay. So he's just, he's incredible to be around. I mean, I shook his hand after every time I played him just because it's like, dude, I respect you so much. Yeah. And I think that you can ask anyone in the NFL, like if they hate him, it's because they he's beat him multiple times, but there's not a single guy that does not respect what he's been able to do in the football league. 
you know, I had the same reaction when I first saw uh, I stood next to Philip Rivers and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, this guy is huge. But same sort of thing where you're like, this is a legend right here. Um, but you're like, how I didn't realize on TV how large and gigantic yeah. you actually are. It's the same thing with Tom Brady. I, I know um, somebody who played with him and said the same thing as you like it. Every everything is his. It was him in New England. It was just he was his franchise. It was his offense, and it's like he is in complete command, which is great if you're a wide receiver. Like you know who's in charge. There are there's no is it him tell me when to do one thing and him said no 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 Tom is right. It's Tom's deal, and you do it the way that Tom wants you to do it, which I think is a is a major benefit and one of the reasons you see him yelling at people. So uh, I'm gonna just assume by your comments that you're picking Green Bay. Yes. How about the other game? Man, a lot's going to depend on if Mahomes plays, um, but I'm going to go with my Bills. And, and the reason I say that is because as great as the Kansas City Chiefs have looked all year, the Bills just keep finding ways to win. And there's something to be said about that in the playoffs where you don't have to play your best ever in the playoffs. You see it time and time again. Now you're going to have to play your best to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think that McDermott being the defensive mind against Andy Reid offensive mind is going to be really fun to watch. I think McDermott's going to have a lot of different looks and different things. And it's really going to come down to you have to limit the big plays on nothing over your head, make them earn it, which Kansas City has done. They've gone the 12, 14 plays. But the thing you can't get into with Kansas City is a track meet. Um, you can't get into it. And I think that you're going to see a little bit more of a ball control from Buffalo. But overall, I just think that the year that Buffalo is having, it's all kind of ramping up to show them that they are legit. They are ready to go. And I'm going to take Buffalo in this game. It's going to be close. I think it's going to come down to a big turnover at the end where defense one way or the other is going to make it or break it. But I think Buffalo can win this football game. I am going to pick KC because I think that there's a there's a Josh Allen. Oh, what do you mean? Of course I am. I'm kidding. I know you Man, are. This is the unbiased. I know. Okay. Yeah. This is the this is the uh, objective journalist hmm. talking. I'm picking KC because uh, a again I'm from Buffalo, so you don't usually pick the <laughs> other team, uh, or you know you usually don't pick Buffalo to win it. You pick the other team. Um, but I just that turnover point. I think yeah. it just it just leans so heavily toward Buffalo for that big turnover and think about how close Josh Allen was to several of them in these first couple of games. I mean, if, if an offensive lineman doesn't jump on a couple of fumbles, you are talking about a different result. And uh, there was a dropped interception against Indianapolis. I mean, I just, it feels like it's coming. And also Chris Jones to me is terrifying game changer. I don't think there's anybody who can block him, And that, that makes life more difficult. I think for Buffalo. I mean, every center struggles with, really good nose rushers, right? I mean, every center in the NFL. But, I mean, Mitch Morris is Mitch Morris is a very good center. He is. Ike he Bucker's is. playing very well. The, the front three for Buffalo are playing very solid right now. Really, that whole offensive line. I mean, you watch that Baltimore game. Josh has a lot of time early on in that game. Now, they he started to get creative yeah. with how they're going to rush. But I think Kansas City is going to dare Josh to throw it, which is yeah. weird to say because of how well he's been throwing the ball. But here, if I'm Kansas City, I'm going, we're lining five defensive linemen up, and we're going to go five one-on-ones. Mm-hmm. Like, and we're going to bet that eventually someone's going to win that one-on-one matchup and make Josh throw a bad throw. And I think that's the difference with you can do that against Mahomes, but Mahomes nine out of 10 times is going to make the perfect throw against man-to-man coverage. And Josh is probably seven out of 10 right now. So mm-hmm. they're going to roll on that factor. And I think that you're going to see a lot of press man 
getting tight in front of these guys' grills, which is really going to help them. But at the end of the day, that just means that John Brown or Diggs is going to have to win one-on-one matchups, which Diggs has been doing to everyone this year, and it's been really impressive to watch. What I can't wait to see, and this is the unfortunate nature of watching on television and then having to go back and look at the coach's film, but Tyron Matthew and how they use him and how they use him to mind-bleep Josh Allen. Baltimore had one play on defense where they had – a guy from all the way on the other side of the field end up going back to be the deep player and uh, like ended up kind of fooling Josh Allen. And I just wonder like how much creativity is going to be involved there because this is it, man, this is your, this is your shot. So uh, kitchen sink all comes out in these games and it should be fantastic. Well, Jeremiah um, looking forward to it. Cannot wait, cannot wait to break it all down with you and uh, we will do it again next week, man. Absolutely. We can do any love to see it, hates to see it. Well, I just, we've been talking for a long I know. time. I was, we you have. Know, like you have, have a life, you have a we child. Have. That's fair. He's yelling around here somewhere. Yeah. So I just figured like, uh, we'll, we'll save that for next week. We kind of, um, you know, really dove deep into it. So that's fair. Okay. That's fair. But my one hate to see, I'm just do a quick hate to see. I hate the two weeks before the Super Bowl. It's my worst. It's my it's least worse. favorite thing in the world. It's, it's my least it's favorite terrible. thing in the world. Okay. Love to see you, Chad Henning. Come on. There it is. Done. Boom. Beautiful. Boom. All right. Boom. <laughs> see you next see week. See you next week.